Hello this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 13th of June. India recorded over 80,000 new cases of COVID-19 and more than 3,000 deaths in the last 24 hours. The official figures of deaths and cases are reported to be undercounts. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 175.5 million people, claiming the lives of over 3.79 million. Amid the COVID situation, Pakistan yesterday placed restrictions on travelers from 26 countries including India. The Indian Express reported that the Uttarakhand government has ordered an investigation into allegations about fake COVID test reports issued by a private laboratory which was tasked with conducting random tests during the Kumbh Mela. The central government proposed tax cuts in GST rates on medicines and equipment used for COVID treatment. The tax rate on medical grade oxygen, concentrators, ventilators and BiPAP machines was reduced from 12% to 5%. The proposal suggested no tax on essential medicines like tocilizumab and amphotericin B, which is used to treat cases of mucormycosis or black fungus. All India Institute of Medical Sciences chief Dr. Randeep Guleria said that a misclassification of covid deaths by hospitals and states could go against india's efforts to form strategies to fight the pandemic in delhi chief minister arvind kejriwal announced further easing of covid restrictions in the national capital he said that most activities will be allowed to resume from 5 am on monday this would not include the opening of educational institutions or any mass gatherings cinema halls and sports complexes will also remain closed Listeners, this slow Sunday evening seems like a good time to give you some exciting news about what we've got planned for next Sunday, June 20. News Laundry will be hosting actor Kabir Bedi in an NL Recess event. He'll be answering questions about his life and his new book Stories I Must Tell. But let me remind you that only our subscribers who pay to keep our independent news organization running will be able to interact with him and ask him questions during the event. If you haven't heard about it yet, NL Recess is a monthly event where our subscribers hang out with leading personalities like Gulzar Sahab, actors Konkana Saint Sharma and Siddharth, writer Anuja Chauhan and more. We all sit back virtually for a chat about their lives and work. So, what are you waiting for? Head on to newslaundry.com, hit that subscribe button on the top right corner and get access to this and a whole range of subscriber-only content. The added perk is that you would also be supporting independent, factual and accurate journalism, which by the way is in short supply if you haven't noticed. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. Our story of the week this time is the reported undercounting of COVID deaths in the country and the center's rebuttal to it. We will come back to it later in the episode. Fuel prices in the country touched all-time highs this week. with diesel crossing the 100 rupees per liter mark in Rajasthan's Sri Ganganagar yesterday this came as fuel companies increased rates for the 23rd time since May 4 this also led to petrol prices in Ganganagar increasing to rupees 107 per liter while Karnataka became the seventh state to record petrol at rupees 100 per liter petrol price hit a record high in Delhi yesterday as it was sold at rupees 96.1 to a liter while on June 9 petrol in Mumbai was being sold at rupees 101 per liter Fuel prices differ from state to state depending on the incidence of local taxes such as VAT and freight charges. Government-run oil marketing companies including Indian Oil Corporation, Bharat Petroleum and Hindustan Petroleum change fuel price rates to match domestic fuel prices with the global crude rates. Reuters reported on Friday that global oil prices increased as the outlook for demand improved with the gradual lifting of COVID-19 restrictions. The historic rise in fuel prices has triggered protests in the country. 
The Congress said yesterday that it would organize a march in Karnataka's Dakshin Kannada district on Monday against the price rise. The party had also held protests at petrol pumps across the country on Friday, demanding that the central government roll back the price rise. BJP leader Rajiv Banerjee yesterday met Kunal Ghosh, his former colleague at the Trinamool Congress, inviting speculations about him breaking away from the Saffron party. Banerjee said, however, that it was a courtesy meeting, denying that he would join the TMC. He said, and I quote, There were no such talks. I am still in the Bharatiya Janata Party. There is no politics in this. Unquote. A former minister in Mamta Banerjee's West Bengal cabinet, Rajiv Banerjee was one of the many members who defected to the BJP before this year's assembly elections in the state. Rajiv unsuccessfully fought the polls on a BJP ticket from the Domjur constituency. The politician's meeting with his former colleague Ghosh assumes more importance as it comes just days after former BJP National Vice President Mukul Roy rejoined the TMC four years after leaving the party. Roy spoke at a press conference after rejoining the TMC on Friday and indicated that more leaders from the BJP were expected to follow suit. Coming back to our story of the week. Several reports amid the second wave of the pandemic have indicated that deaths linked to COVID-19 in the country have been undercounted. The official figures released every day stand in stark contrast with ground reports from funeral grounds, hospitals and morgues in states including Gujarat, Madhya Pradesh, UP and Bihar. Stronger evidence of the under-reporting of deaths during the last couple of months came on Thursday, when Bihar revised its COVID death figures from 5,400 to over 9,400, a 72% jump in the total deaths in the state. Because of Bihar's update, India reported 6,148 new deaths that day, the highest single-day spike since the pandemic began. The next day, on Friday, Maharashtra added over 2,000 backlog deaths to its total death count, citing delay in reporting of deaths from various sources as the reason for the under-reporting. On the same day, Scroll reported that the death toll in Madhya Pradesh recorded by the civil registration system was far more than what the government data showed. According to the report, Deaths recorded in the last three months were nearly three times more than the death figures recorded during these months in previous years. The Civil Registration System, or CRS, is a national system that records all births and deaths led by the Office of the Registrar-General of India and implemented at the state level by the state governments. While all excess deaths reported on CRS can't be linked to COVID, there has been on-ground evidence of undercounting in MP, including a news laundry report by my colleague Shardul Katyayan and Pratik Goyal. They found that while the MP government reported 53 deaths in the whole state on April 15, the number of COVID deaths recorded at one funeral ground alone was 88. Yesterday, The Economist noted that research by Christopher Leffler of Virginia Commonwealth University suggested that India's actual death toll could be upwards of 20 lakh, meaning 5 to 7 times higher than the current official figure of over 3 lakh 60,000. On its part, the central government refuted The Economist's report, saying that it is without any basis and seems to be misinformed. The Union Health Ministry issued a press release yesterday that said, and I quote, The unsound analysis of the said article is based on extrapolation of data without any epidemiological evidence, unquote. The ministry said that an internet search of research studies on databases did not locate Leffler's study, adding that The Economist had not provided the detailed methodology of this study. Weakening this claim, however, Christopher Leffler himself tweeted a link to his study, which is available on the digital platform ResearchGate. But The Economist isn't the only news organisation to point out discrepancies between India's official and unofficial figures of COVID deaths. It's one of the multiple media houses to do so.
Last month, the New York Times reported that India's death toll could be as high as 6 lakh even by conservative estimates and nearly 42 lakh in the worst-case scenario. At the time of publishing, India's official death toll was 3.15 lakh. The centre had dismissed this report as well, calling it baseless and absolutely false. Meanwhile, AIMS chief Dr. Randeep Guleria himself said yesterday that there was a possibility that COVID-19 deaths may have been misclassified, urging state governments and hospitals to conduct death audits. Guleria added that it was crucial to know the actual number of deaths caused due to the virus, saying, and I quote, We have to know what are the causes of mortality and what can be done to bring down our death rate. Unless we have clear data, we will not be able to develop a strategy to decrease our mortality, unquote. Before this, the Madras High Court had observed that there were complaints across the country that deaths due to COVID-19 may not have been appropriately recorded. To know the differences between official figures and ground realities, I'd like to recommend two reports by News Laundry. First, the report by Pratik and Shardul that I mentioned above. It can be found on newslaundry.com and it is titled, Madhya Pradesh is undercounting COVID deaths. The other report is by my colleagues Ayush and Basant from UP's Meerut, where the Adityanath government reported that no more than 36 people had died in Meerut between April 19 and April 30. But Ayush and Basant's ground report from Meerut's largest cremation ground showed that 264 COVID-linked cremations had taken place in the same period. Read the full report on newslaundry.com titled, UP's Meerut is reporting seven times fewer COVID deaths. I also urge you to read our extensive on-ground coverage from various states, highlighting the sobering realities of the COVID catastrophe and giving a platform to stories that should not go unheard in this time of crisis. If you appreciate the work we are doing, do consider supporting us by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of our website. Because we can only continue doing what we do if our readers, listeners and viewers pay to keep news free. And now for some news from the world of arts and culture. Renowned Dalit poet and activist Siddha Lingaya passed away at the age of 67 in Bengaluru's Manipal Hospital on Friday. The News Minute reported that he was admitted on May 4 with severe COVID-19-related pneumonia and multiple organ failure. Siddha Lingaya was a respected name in Karnataka's literary circles, best known for his revolutionary song Yarige Bantu, Yelige Bantu, which asked pressing questions about who were the real beneficiaries of India's independence. He was one of the proponents of the Dalit Bandaya literary movements in Karnataka. Besides being a playwright, activist and a politician, he was also one of the founders of the Dalit Sangharsh Samiti in Karnataka and a member of Legislative Assembly in 1988 and 2006. Following that, he became the chairperson of the Kannada Development Authority. Tributes and condolences poured in on social media, including from Karnataka CM B.S. Yadurappa. And now for some international updates. A new coalition government in Israel is set to vote on dislodging the country's longest-serving Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu today. The coalition is composed of the country's main opposition leader Yair Lapid's party, Naftali Bennett's far-right party and former Netanyahu allies. The coalition will either vote out Netanyahu if it gets the majority mark of 61 seats in the parliament or will lead to a fifth national election in the country since 2019. Netanyahu is battling a clutch of corruption charges in an ongoing trial that he had dismissed as a conspiracy. Last night, around 2,000 protesters rallied outside his official residence to celebrate what they believe will be his departure from office. If the coalition government is voted to power, it will operate under a power-sharing agreement in which heads of two main political parties will be Prime Minister for two and a half years each. 
Netanyahu has been the Prime Minister of Israel since 2009. The group of seven richest democracies, or G7 countries, yesterday adopted a plan to rival China's growing influence in funding infrastructure projects in several countries. The G7 comprises Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the US. The G7 plan aims to fulfill infrastructure needs in low- and middle-income countries to counter what is called China's Belt and Road Initiative. Under this initiative, China has helped build roads and ports in multiple countries, but drawn criticism for burdening these countries with debts. The multi-trillion-dollar project was launched by Chinese President Xi Jinping in 2013. Under this project, more than 100 countries have signed agreements with China. Reuters reported, quoting the White House, that U.S. President Joe Biden and other G7 leaders are hoping that their plan, known as Build Back Better World, will provide a transparent infrastructure partnership to help pool $40 trillion needed by developing nations by 2035. Hours after this plan was adopted, China said in a statement, warning leaders of the G7 countries that the days when a small group of countries made global decisions were gone. That's all the news we have for you today. Hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.